Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. <laughs> I just lost it. <laughs> wait, wait, hotter than a... Oh man, I just lost it. Wait, 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 I can come back. Okay, okay, okay. Where was I? Where was I? With the funny face, with the bank and his funny face. Oh shoot. No. It's when I'm on the spot. 20 months around, Detty, whine it, whine it. Nikki on the pit is why she signed it. Well, there's no one trap minded. I really, really, I don't fuck with the CK. Fuck you, Barbie. Oh shoot. Okay, I forgot it. I can't do it. <laughs> You'll need to edit that part out. This is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Ashley Han. She is a location-independent entrepreneur, online branding and marketing strategist, coach, speaker, and world traveler. Ashley first entered the online space in 2012 as marketing director for a Mark Cuban company, which she helped to grow 500% in the first year, making it the number one fastest growing private company in San Diego. Today, she is the founder and owner of Ashley Han Branding and Consulting, an online marketing agency that helps brands amplify and monetize their web presence so they can make more money and impact. Her clients range from startups to Fortune 500 companies, and she has built her business with a completely location-independent infrastructure so she can run it from anywhere in the world. And she has lived in 12 different countries in just the last year alone. As a conscious leader herself, her mission is to support as many other conscious leaders, coaches, and creators as possible in playing their biggest game so that they can create maximum impact and a lasting ripple effect on the world. She is also the podcast host of The Ashley Hand Show and the author of the best-selling book, Magnetic Confidence, Attract the Results, Relationships, and Life You Want. Ashley, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. What an intro, you're good. By the way, I love the way you opened that up. I was like smiling ear to ear. <laughs> 
Well, as a fellow podcaster, you are awesome as well. And uh, I have been paying very close attention to what you've been up to for quite some time. You and I initially connected, just to kind of set the scene here, you and I initially connected because we both spoke at the Digital Lifestyle Conference, which was put on by our mutual friend, Tobias Rauscher, whom Maverick Show listeners know from episode number 18. And since then, I've been paying pretty close attention to what you've been up to. And I've been super, super impressed with the podcast and your social media presence and all of the awesome stuff that you've been doing. So super, super glad to have you here today. I appreciate that. Thank you. So let's open this up a little bit, just sort of introducing you. And I'd love to just start with your journey, maybe your entrepreneurial journey, because I know that people come to entrepreneurship in different ways. Some people are sort of purebred entrepreneurs where they have those tendencies really, really early on. And other people come to it by a more circuitous route. So do you want to share a little bit about where you grew up and how your path to entrepreneurship came about? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, So yeah, I grew up in a small town, actually. in so I always say Seattle, but it's actually Silverdale, because no one knows what Silverdale is or where it is. Uh, It's a population like 14,000 people. So pretty small town. Um, Grew up with a dad who I would say my dad is my biggest influence. And when it comes to like, motivation, self development, entrepreneurship. So um, I, I, I remember just like, if we fast forward to college, and I went to college also um, in Washington and uh, Western Washington University, I always wanted to create a business on my own. That was always kind of the end goal for me. And I just never knew what that would look like, right? Like most of us, when we start out, we don't know what it's going to look like, but we know we have this big vision. And when I came out of college, I did go the traditional route. But here's the thing. I remember when I was looking, when I was opening, you know, sending my resumes out, all the things in my last year of college, I just did not want to go into corporate. Like I didn't want to go into corporate America. I wanted to work for like a super startup company, like super dynamic. I wanted to be in it. I wanted to learn like all aspects of the business. I wanted to have my hands on everything. I just wanted something just like super messy, if that makes sense, you know, and like nothing like structured anything. I just wanted to go into a really like startup environment. And that's when one of actually was an alumni of my school that introduced me that recommended me to Stefan Arsal, who's the CEO founder of Tower Paddleboards, which is the Mark Cuban company. Uh, They were on Shark Tank, and uh, they got Cuban on. But anyways, so I sat down, had an interview with him, he flew into Bellingham to interview me. And it was like, no brainer. That's this is it. This is where I want to go. And it was mutual. I literally was in this is in San Diego, by the way. And I was so stoked because I declared that I would not live in Washington. I'm a sunshine girl, love the sunshine. So I wanted to move to San Diego. And I get there and it is exactly I kid you not, we're in a windowless basement. Okay, windowless basement when I entered this company, with literally the packer, the shipper, the CEO and me in like a, I would say it's like maybe 700 square foot windowless basement. <laughs> like I'm smelling packing tape all day. And then within six months, I had my own big office with a window. Like we grew so quick. And it was just exactly what I had envisioned for myself. And that's that's really how I got started. And Stefan was a huge, that company, Mark Cuban's company was a huge teacher for me. I learned so much in that. And I'm so happy that I followed my my intuition because I got a job offer from Microsoft. And I could have went that route, you know, but I didn't. And uh, I'm just so grateful. So yeah, that's really how my whole journey got started in entrepreneurship. 
well, I want to ask you two questions. One is, what were the biggest lessons that you learned from that that you took with you to your next venture? But the other question that I want to ask you is, when you helped as the marketing director to grow that company 500% in a year, what do you think were the biggest leverage points that were responsible for that fast of a growth? Yeah. So uh, what I did and what I loved about Stefan, by the way, too, is he's very keen on learning and education. So he would sometimes say, okay, you know, on certain days of the week, all you're doing is you're going to become an expert. Like you're just going to learn, learn, learn. So I would come into the office and all day I would just be, you know, Googling search, like reading articles, like taking you know, webinars, going to these like online classes and all these things. And he would fund all of it because he really believed in investing in his employees in that way. So that was a big thing is he gave me the space to really become an expert. And I became an expert at really, the main thing is Amazon. So Amazon, they were doing like, I don't know, I want to say between two to $5,000 a month in Amazon. So nothing like this channel was just like sitting there, right? Well, I dove in headfirst, became an expert. Like actually, I ended up consulting later on for Amazon, for people who were selling on Amazon. But anyways, I ended up becoming an expert, took it from two to 5K a month to over $250,000 a month. And it was just insane. It just took me really immersing myself, committing to becoming an expert and also resources. Like I was pulling every string I could pull. I was thinking outside of the box, getting creative on how I can get us more exposure on Amazon. And uh, that was a huge, huge part of it. And the other part was customer service. I have like ingrained in me. I, I believe customers are always right. Always right. So they did not operate that way when I came in. And I did a whole, literally restructured the entire customer policy and all of the framework that they used. And that took our ratings from like a 2.5 star average up to 4.5 stars very quickly. So those are the two main things I would say that really supported that growth. Wow. Okay. And then after you left that company, what was your next move? And what were the main sort of at your at the time of leaving? What was your mindset like in terms of what you had learned what you were going to take with you and what you were going to do next? Yeah, so <laughs> I took a little detour. Because when I got out, okay, so remember how I said I really wanted messy? Like I was like, I want messy, I want dynamic, I don't want a structure. Well, deep down in my core, I'm a very analytical structured person. So I operate in spreadsheets, I love organization, like I'm all about efficiency. So that was also a huge thing that I did for Stefan and his business for sure. Like I was in there like a freaking military sergeant. But the thing that started driving me crazy was the lack of structure. So then I thought, hmm, okay, I don't like to write things off before I try them. So I was like, I'm going to try out this whole corporate thing. So then I ended up working for, I got hired for this like $100 million holding company. They're in the financial space. Um, and I got hired as their digital marketing manager. And I literally lasted for seven months in that place. <laughs> I'm like, yep, I was right. I'm not meant for this. Like, you know, you just know. It was like, it was just not me. So that's where I went right after that. And it was nice though, because I, I really believe don't knock it till you try it, like give it your full. And I did. I, I loved the team. It was a great company. I just, it was not for me. And I did allow myself to become an expert at something again at that place. So I, I remember I created this like, eight page long business case 
to allow me to do social media marketing because they weren't doing any social media marketing, none whatsoever. And I was like, okay, you have so much. And this is when, by the way, like Facebook and all that, they were just getting started with Facebook ads. Like this is in the very beginning, right? Like this is, I think, 2013, I want to say. And they were like laughing at me like, oh, I know you worked at this sexy ABC Shark Tank company, paddleboard company before. Like we're a little different, you know, we're in the loan space. Like that's not very sexy. Like it's different, Ashley. You just don't get it. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. Here's my case. This is what I think I can generate per month. Let me do it. Like give me a small budget, start out with. So they did, they gave me 500 pounds. It was a UK company, 500 pounds a month. And that doubled to 1,000, which then turned into 3,000. And then soon, I believe second, I want to say second or third largest lead generating channel that I created literally within three months. And I was generating 250 loans every two weeks. I literally, they're like, please present to the board. Like, we'd like you to present to the board. I was so nervous. This is back when I thought I was scared of public speaking. We all know that's not really what I was scared of. But anyways, I spoke in front of the board. I had my analytics team there backing me when I got nervous. And then the next day I quit. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to start doing this for myself. I mastered it. I know what to do. And then I started taking on my own clients. Wow, that's awesome. So you literally, you literally quit the next day. Can you talk about what was your mindset like within that kind of like 48 hour period? Like what was going through your mind? And then like, what was your immediate next step? Like what did the next couple days look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a huge moment in my life. One of the biggest defining moments, because that was scary. I had, I mean, that company, they take care of their employees. I mean, you get bonuses, you get pay raises, you get full benefits, you get shares, you get like, I mean, they take care they have ping pong tables in the office. Like, a lot of people would kill to work there. So it was tough. I mean, I just knew it wasn't for me. And I already had this inkling of like, I don't think I'm I'm meant to stay at this job. Well, when my boss told me to present to the board of directors, I had something in me that just knew, Ashley, like, you know what you're doing. You, You don't need to be here. Like, you know, you're not meant to be here. And so when I presented, I came home that night, I called my dad, which is always the first thing I do before making any large decision. And I was crying. And, and I remember I was sitting out on my balcony and I was crying my eyes out because I was so scared. It's like, I knew what I needed to do, but my mind kept talking me out of it. Like, you're crazy, like that, 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 you know, all these things. And so I call my dad and he just says, Ashley, you know the answer, don't you? And I said, maybe. <laughs> and he said, trust yourself, take the leap. And I remember that's what, trust yourself, take the leap. And I did. And the next day I came in and I quit. And by the way, mind you, I already had two people who were interested in working with me. So I didn't quit with like no plan. I already had two people that were like, when you're ready, I would love to have you run Facebook ads and and generate leads for me. So I already had that. So I didn't quit with like, you know, okay, what am I going to do next? But it was very scary. And I quit. And I remember my boss, it was funny because he wasn't very surprised. He like kind of knew. He's like, I knew that we were going to lose you. Like I, I had a feeling this was going to happen. And uh, they were all really sweet. They got me cards through me for a well party. And then I started my business like right after that. And I had a couple of clients to begin with that were for, you know, Facebook and social media. So it was scary as all hell. I'll tell you that. I was just, oh, I was terrified. 
And how did you deal with that fear and push through that in terms of, you know, tactically speaking too? Did you have a business plan? Did you sit down? Did you write one? Like, what was your plan to move forward into that space? Because that, at least now today, is an extremely crowded space. Mm, yeah, yeah. Today, it's totally different than than back right. then, by the way. You know, uh, to be honest, I didn't spend many hours planning, which I look back and I'm like, it's interesting that I didn't do that because I'm such a planner. And this is the thing. So I can, in a lot of, if there's any analyzers listening right now, you can probably relate. Like sometimes we'll overanalyze and we get ourselves to this analysis process. So we never end up making that move because we've got to plan everything out just right. You know what I'm saying? So really the mindset I was in is, okay, I don't need to see the entire staircase to take the first step. Like I know the first step I'm going to take when I get out of, when I leave this job, which is I'm going to take on those two clients that said that, like literally said, and one of them was a friend of mine and I trusted him. So I knew that like his word was his bond that he was going to hire me. And so I already knew I had that, right? And I just let myself figure it out from there. And I did. And I'm really happy that I did that, surprised, but really happy because if I would have just deliberated and tried to create this like plan and get like a perfectionist about it, which I can tend to do, I don't think that I would have, I think I would have stalled a lot longer and I would have missed those opportunities. So yeah. Do you have any advice? Let me give you a specific sort of, I mean, I guess it's a general sort of scenario, but I feel like I I talk to a lot of people, I have friends of mine that have been in the corporate world for a while, and they have developed a very high level of expertise in a particular area, kind of like what you were saying, right? You're, you're really, really good at doing a particular thing, and you're getting paid well to do it for other companies. And they know that they can do it themselves. The challenge is, I think, from their perspective, is that they're kind of afraid to make the leap because they don't know maybe if they're good enough or able to market and sell and generate their own business. And especially if it's perceived to be kind of a crowded space, right? If you're trying to do consulting or strategy work or whatever it is for other businesses, and it's perceived to be a crowded space, do you have any tips or advice for those people in terms of how to make that kind of a leap and enter a crowded space and win in that space? Oh my God. I hate when people say, so I'm just going to say that some people may listen and get triggered by this, but I'm just speaking my truth. I'm speaking from experience from not only mine, but very successful colleagues of mine as well. The crowded space. Okay, sure. A space is crowded. It doesn't matter if a, you know, you're an expert at something like you're for sure. Like you've gotten the results for say another company, whatever. And you know that you're an expert, right? You're confident in your expertise. There is no, like right now, people work with people. There's so many people who are experts at, like, for example, me, what I do. There's so many other people. You could say that my space is totally saturated. However, people work with me because it's me. You know what I'm saying? This is why personal brands are exploding. This is what Gary Vaynerchuk talks about all the time. It's like, you have to own who you are and like let people in on the 360 view of you because that's what cultivates trust. Like some, like, and there's an actual stat on this. I used to know it off the top of my head and now I don't, but there's a stat where it says, and it's a high, high percentage. It's like over 60%. I want to say of people will choose, it doesn't matter about the expertise, like the check marks, the accolades, those things, right? They will choose the one that they trust. 
every time. Like they'll choose the one that they trust. And so if you're showing up and you're letting yourself be seen, you're cultivating connection and trust on your platforms with people, people are gonna choose you over the next person. And that's why I don't believe in like, I always t- I say this and I know it's like this big, bold statement, but I really, truly don't believe in competition because at the end of the day, there is no other Ashley hand. There is other people out there that I will even recommend like, hey, we're maybe not a fit. And there's this person who I think would be a great fit for you. Same line of work, totally different type of, of experience, right? So that's how I operate. So I would just knock that little, like that myth, that block for anyone that's listening who's like, oh, I'm, I'm really great at this. Like, I know I can get results, but oh my gosh, there's so many other people that's also great at this. Like, oh, just literally just take a baseball bat and knock that out, like out of your, and like, don't even think about it that way. That's, that would be my advice. Awesome. That's really, really good advice. Can you give some supplementary tips towards that end about personal brand building and, you know, either mistakes that people are making or tips in terms of what they should be doing to effectively build a personal brand? Yeah. Right now, use obviously social media. This is how people are. I mean, if you're not using Instagram, then I don't know what you're doing because you should be 100%. Um, so utilize like these free platforms, these free tools where you can be found, seen and heard literally for free. Facebook's more of a pay to play now. And then also LinkedIn is another great space, a social media outlet where actually they have the best organic reach right now. So utilize the social platforms, get yourself out there, create a ton of content, that this is how you're going to get seen and heard. And also focus on creating value, like give, 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 give in everything that you post. And also my other big tip is hire a coach or a mentor or join a mastermind. Like I did not get here on my own. I have been a part of several masterminds. I've had several coaches. Like I am not naive to think that I know it all. I know that I absolutely don't know it all. And I love having someone that's on my side, that's seeing my blind spots, the stuff that I don't see, because that's what will help you grow and continue to grow to each next level. So I would say those two things is like, get out there on social media, get on camera, do not just post a quote, like get on camera, because people are not able to connect with a white picture with words on it. People connect by looking in your eyes, by feeling your personality, by seeing who you are. And that takes you getting on video. So get on video, put yourself out there, deliver a ton of value that people would literally pay for, but you're giving away for free on your channels. Okay, you're, that's a huge trust builder right there and authority builder. And get a mentor, coach, or join a mastermind. Those would be my top two tips. Awesome. And then if we're going to go a little bit deeper and more tactical, I would love to ask you about Instagram tactics in particular. You have, last time I checked, over 37,000 followers on Instagram. And your Instagram channel is awesome, by the way. And I'm wondering if you can just share some tactics for people that want to focus and put in the effort and put in the work to build their personal brand on Instagram, what are some of the top tactical things that they should be doing? Oh my God. Yeah. I actually just gave a talk on this uh, this week. There's so many things. So, okay, let me just pick a couple of top things, I guess, is content production. Okay. Use Instagram stories. Instagram stories is what I'm seeing is, is performing the best right now. Also, just so you guys know, listening, it's not about how many followers you have. And actually, 
Instagram is now favoring smaller accounts because the bigger accounts have been getting all the attention and they don't want to basically lose their smaller account users because they feel like they're not being seen and heard. So they're actually giving preference a lot of times now. And you'll see this, like when you go into hashtag categories, you're like, oh, how did this person who has a thousand followers get featured in this huge hashtag category of over a million posts? Well, it's because Instagram is actually favoring those accounts and giving you more exposure. So don't get stuck on the number, just create the content and make sure that your content is valuable and engaging. Uh, video all the way, I'll say it every time. So if you're posting on your feed, IGTV is great. You get way more exposure, in my opinion, when you're doing IGTV. Also allows you to create longer videos packed with more value. Make sure that the first minute is not giving away everything because you want them to, you want to open loop them and make sure that they click to watch more. Think of your first 125 characters of your caption as a subject line of an email. What would get them, what would capture their attention? What would get them to want to click and engage with your post? And then, like I said, oh, with with your stories, be posting like every two hours on your stories. I know that sounds kind of obnoxious, but it's really not. And it takes like literally 15 seconds to do one post. So I think you can do it. Post once every two hours, let them in on every part of you. I just, one of my clients, Julie, because I actually, I do social media consulting as well. Now this is a new part. I just opened up my business. She just shared something super vulnerable. She was crying on her story and she just messaged me. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at my engagement. It's crazy. They're watching the whole thing. I've been getting these messages and it's because people crave that. She is building connection, solid connection with her audience. And she has like, you know, if you're talking about followers, this is actually a good amount in my opinion, but she has like two to 3000 somewhere in there followers. And she's doing an amazing job now. She's really getting in there and utilizing the platform. So create the video content, connect with your audience, share the 360 view of you, the vulnerable parts, share your everything and stories and create a ton of valuable video content. Those would be like my main tips. Use hashtags as well. And hashtags is a whole nother freaking conversation. I won't get into that. But use hashtags because that's how you're going to get found, seen, and heard as well when you're a smaller account and you're trying to build. Awesome. I want to also ask you about building a company brand. And if you're thinking about building your business brand, what is different about the way you should think about that versus building your personal brand? How should you go about building a business brand? Same way. <laughs> so I actually, something that I talk about is uh, how companies need to start going personal. If you look at the whole landscape right now, I mean, it's person to person. It really is. So companies and that are like faceless really got to work on creating a personal component them, something where they're connecting with their audience in a personal way. So whether that's you have someone who's like the face of your brand, I have one of my friends who has an e-commerce company now just hired a few like brand ambassadors where they're actually the face, like he has this, forget her name, but she's doing his lives now all the time, Instagram lives. And so he's creating that connection with an actual human so that people can feel connected to her and therefore feel more connected to his company. So I think that right now, the best place to be is personal brands and companies should also look at how can I personalize? How can we create a more personalized experience with our company and connect in that way, human to human with our customers? 
Awesome advice. I do actually want to, if you're willing to go a little bit deeper on the hashtag issue on Instagram, I would love your tips on that because I feel like these social media strategies continue to evolve. And I would love your take on what today is sort of an optimal hashtag strategy in terms of how people should be thinking about that. Because I think that is a big piece of the puzzle for Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, don't hashtag stuff. So if you're putting like 30 hashtags, uh, Instagram's actually looking at as kind of trying to hack and game the system. So just don't do that anymore. It used to work really good, actually. It's funny because Gary used to tell me to do the, you know, put at least 29, 30 hashtags. And now he tells me something totally different. Well, at least the last time we spoke. So what you want to do is right now, it's like sweet spots, like six to eight hashtags, like somewhere around there. Okay, so six to eight hashtags per post, make sure they are relevant. Okay, so if you're posting a picture of a flower, and you're hashtagging, which actually don't do that, and you're hashtagging entrepreneurship, okay, that doesn't make I mean, unless the caption you're talking about something that has to do with entrepreneurship, Instagram sees that you're not going to be featured in in that hashtag category. So make sure that you're relevant. Um, And B, when it comes to size of hashtags, Make sure that you're testing with, I always say to my clients, three to four smaller, like niche hashtags and three to four larger hashtags, okay? The reason being is, yes, some would say, if you look at like past now, it's not as uh, clear, like this isn't as clear cut as it used to be, but it's easier to get, because the goal, by the way, is to get ranked in the top posts. Like when you click on the hashtag category, you wanna be on that top feed part, you know what I'm saying? Not the recent, but the top. So it's easier to get ranked for a smaller niche. And when I'm talking about niche, I'm not talking like a thousand posts in that hashtag. That's too small. You want to go at least 10,000. So at least 10,000 posts. And then anything big would be anything over like a million or like big hashtags. So really experiment with the size of the hashtags and don't just go one way or the other. That's really important. So do that with every post that you do and make sure that you use relevant hashtags and also do not use the same hashtags every time. Instagram's also catching on to that. I used to have a strategy where I would just have this set hashtags that I would use on every post and I would copy, paste, copy, paste. That used to work. It doesn't work anymore. So make sure you're diversifying your hashtags or using different ones, experimenting. Um, and also make sure you're using hashtags on your story. Story hashtag strategy is completely different than posting on your feed. Story hashtag strategy is you want to go after the huge hashtags. Like I'm talking millions, millions, if not tens of millions of posts in them. The reason being is because not a lot of people are using hashtags in their stories yet. Anyways, they're starting to figure that out. So you're actually able to get featured as long as it's relevant and Instagram likes your content, then you get featured in the hashtag category story. And one of my clients actually just did that. I told her to do a hashtag, I think it was like chakra or something like that. So she did hashtag chakra. She's a spiritual coach. And she ended up getting featured. And that hashtag has, I think, over 3 million posts in it. And she was in the story. So that would be my little advice with hashtagging. There you go. Hope that wasn't too long winded. No, that's really good and tactically specific. So I appreciate that you went that deep on it. How many social channels do you recommend that your business clients be on? And which do you feel are the top priority social channels or does that depend on the business? I recommend you be on all of them, but that you focus on one to two at a time. So uh, right now, I would say Instagram. 
I'm just always going to say, I'm going to say Instagram. I mean, one of my clients gets 90% of her business on Instagram. By the way, she has less than 3,000 followers and she's doing really freaking well. So I get like probably 50% of my business from Instagram. So I would say if you're going to focus on a platform right now, Instagram is the way to go. And my second one would be LinkedIn right now. Also, but see, that's hard because YouTube is great. So here's my deal. This is what Gary taught me as well. And he speaks about this publicly. So if you listen to any of his stuff, you'll hear this over and over said in many different ways. Squeeze the juice out of all the pieces of content you create. Just so you know, Matthew, I'm actually filming myself right now. And I'm in a robe, but I'm filming... I'm filming myself right now um, because I literally, I'm going to use snippets of this on my, if that's okay with you, on my channel. Okay. Maybe I'll put it in my stories. Like just did this podcast interview. Got to check it out. I'll let you guys know when it's out. You know, I'm always doing stuff like this. Gary goes a little over the board with this because he can, but like he has his crew with him 24 seven. I mean, they're filming him at the airport. They're filming him on client calls, all these things. So my point is, is if you're speaking at an event, if you get invited to speak on a podcast, record it all because this is an opportunity for you to use that content and drip it out in all of your social channels. So sometimes I'll create a YouTube video, right? With my podcast, for example, I do videos for all my podcasts and I'll put the whole podcast video on my YouTube channel. I'll then take clips of that, create IGTVs out of it. And then I'll take even smaller clips of that, micro pieces of that and put it on my story. So see, it's about using all these different, you can use all these different platforms and only that only took one piece of content for you, but you can like trickle it out on all all different ways on all different uh, social platforms. Does that make sense? Makes 100% sense. Yes. And by the way, now that you've mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk a few times in this podcast, it's actually interesting. I have been following Gary very closely since I want to say 2009 or 10. And I stumbled across him completely by accident. I was at a conference and he was the keynote speaker. I'd never heard of him. And we were like, "Mm, it's kind of late in the day. This guy's coming out. We never heard of him. Let's just watch him for, you know, first five minutes, see if it's good. If it is, we'll stay. If it's not, we'll roll out. Gary comes on for five minutes, of course, lights up the stage as he does with his just stunning charisma. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, who is this guy? And he just crushed it, right? Of course. And so this was right about the time, I think, when his book, Thank You Economy, was just about to drop. And so that was kind of his new book at the time. And so you know, so I was there in the audience and was able to shake his hand and just tell him how impressed I was. And I've been following him very closely ever since. And it's been amazing to see, you know, his trajectory over the last 10 years. It's just absolutely been stunning. But do you want to tell your story of how you met and became friends with Gary? Yeah, so I, I met him at an event in oh, that was, I don't know the exact year, but I want to say it was like six years ago. And it was funny because I knew that he was like, he was a mutual friend of some of the group of someone in the group that I was in. And I remember being super excited because I had heard of him at that point. And I had read one of his books and I loved his book. So I was super excited to jam out about his book. Well, he loved that we're jamming out. And, um, anyways, we've just been friends ever since. Obviously when I met him, he was like, if we're going like Instagram numbers, he was at like 100,000 followers. And obviously now he's at something like 6 million. So he's just grown tremendously in that in the amount of time I've known him. And he's always been so great and giving about like giving me advice. And he's always believed in me. You know, last time I met up with him in person was in Seattle, actually, he was there um, for a meeting with Amazon. 
And uh, I made sure to fly in because he had agreed to meet with me. And uh, I always jump on those opportunities to meet with him in person. And he gave me some super direct, honest, interruptive feedback about me and my business that was painful as all hell to hear. You know, you know, Gary, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> so um, it was painful to hear. And it literally was, that's why I think mentorship is so important. I mean, that just, was the wake up call that I needed. And I ended up just totally reinventing. And then that's, he told me to start my podcast. So I started this podcast, I literally did everything. And he looked me in the eyes, he pointed at me at his finger in my face, he said, Ash, promise me you'll do this. Promise me, you know, (laughs) and I was like, Okay, and I had so much resistance around putting up a podcast and the things that he was telling me to do. And I did it anyway. And so yeah, anyways, I kind of long winded answer that question. But yes, he's been uh, an awesome mentor friend of mine. I've talked to him less and less over the years, obviously, as the years go on, because he gets bigger and bigger and more busy and busy. But he always does seem to make time for me every now and then, which I'm very, very grateful for. So that's that's amazing. I tell every entrepreneur and every aspiring entrepreneur that approaches me that they should definitely be following him on all social media channels. And it has been incredible Mm -hmm. to see how prolific and how high quality his content has been on social media. So I tell everybody to watch him one, just to consume the content that he's putting out. But number two, to just watch what he's doing in terms of how he's doing it, you know, in terms of building his personal brand. It's just insane. I mean, he is just trailblazing and putting out really, really important stuff. So that's, that's an awesome story. No one knows social media. No one knows social media better than Gary, honestly, like, I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, the physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. No one gets it as well as Gary does. He's just a genius at it. So... Yeah, it's amazing. So let's go. Also, I also want to go a little bit tactical on some of your other areas of expertise. You do a lot of stuff with website building and online brand presence. And I want to just ask you some of your top tips. And you can frame it either in terms of mistakes people making or, you know, big leverage points that people should be implementing right away in terms of creating, let's just start with a high converting website. What should someone's business website, what should be the the key attributes there or the things that, that some people aren't doing that could really change if they were to do it? What people aren't doing is they're not investing in their websites. They are not seeing how important it is. And here's the thing, your website is like the backbone of your business. We live in a digital landscape, completely digital landscape now. So if someone hears you on a podcast, if someone sees you speak at an event, if someone's friend tells them about you, what's the first thing that people do before they decide to work with you? They go to your website. They vet you. Yeah, of course. 
They vet you. They, they Google your name. That's what they do. They'll go on Google, the Google machine. They'll type in your name and guess what pops up first? Your website. Hopefully, I mean, it should. <laughs> That's the first problem if it's not, but most cases it does. Your website pops up first, right? And then they clicked your website. Holy smokes, you have a high intent user. I mean, you have someone who has sat down at their computer, taken the time, which by the way, the most valuable thing we can have these days is attention and time. You have their full attention. They're typing your freaking name out, spending the time doing that, clicking that enter button and clicking your website. Holy smokes, you better hope that once they land on your page, you are converting those eyeballs into paid deals, clients, customers, cash. Like that is the goal. And so many people are not doing this. This is the part that just, I mean, as you can tell, I'm really passionate about this because I have clients who, for example, let's just say, I know he won't care if I bring him up, but Jordan Syatt, okay? Jordan Syatt, actually, I worked with him because he's Gary Vaynerchuk's personal trainer. Gary recommended him to me. So I did his whole web presence, his website, all the things. And before I had worked with him, he gets close to a thousand searches per month of people sitting down at the computer, like I just said, searching his name, okay? And his website was crap. I mean, thank goodness he has a a good reputation on social media because obviously he's got a lot of following there. But for those people who are going to like go to his website to get that final piece of the check mark they needed to work with him, they weren't getting it, I'll tell you that much. So I love working with people and it doesn't matter. I mean, you don't have to be getting a thousand searches. Even if you're getting just 20 searches a month for your name, those are 20 like hot leads that you're leaving, literally leaking money from your website. You are leaking leads, you're leaking money. So it is important. Now, it depends on the stage you're at. Obviously, if you're just starting and you're like not really making a steady income yet, you don't have that money to invest in like a premium website, like, you know, like for example, the websites that my my company and I create, that's fine. You don't need that in the beginning. Just create something that is a decent representation of who you are. Have the checklist, like all the things. By the way, I have a, if your listeners are interested, I do have a free checklist. If they do want to go in and optimize their own websites, just let me know and I can I can share that. But you can go in and just optimize it yourself. Use WordPress and do that. If you're at a place where you're successful and you're making money, invest in your website and you'll make even more money. It's just a no brainer. And also it's your reputation. So the other piece of it is not just the conversions. It's also the fact that this is representing you. So what is your website representing about you? Is it capturing your essence? Is it capturing who you are, your mission, your message? A lot of times what I see is no, it doesn't. So that's also critical because that is also solidifying the deal. If someone comes to their website, I think it was something like 93% of people will judge a person's credibility or the company's or person's credibility based on the design of their website, the professional design of their website. So if you have this like super, you know, janky website, they're going to judge you as janky and you don't want that. So that's my view on websites and that's how I look at it. So I hope I didn't get too passionate. For no, <laughs> I love it. Well, this is your area. I'm opening the gates for you to be passionate. So <laughs> what tips do you have on uh, sort of on optimizing someone's website, right? Like if they say, I want to, you know, take my website seriously and I want to optimize it. So there's the appearance of it, right? Like you're saying, be, have, having it look professional and be consistent with the brand uh, presence and, and all of that kind of stuff and not look janky. And then are there any other sort of tactical tips for optimizing the actual web page that you see people not doing and that they should be doing? 
Oh, of course. There's tons. So I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of them. I have, that's what I have that checklist is for, okay, by the way. Cool. But the top thing I will say, the top thing I will, because otherwise we'd literally be here all day because there's so much that goes into it truly. But I have it all in a concise thing if, if your listeners do want that. But the top thing I would say that I see most people get wrong is when you first go to this web, their website, the first thing, the biggest message on the top of that screen when they first land on your website is, let's just say, for example, real estate investor or business finance coach, right? The person's title. Do not do that. Biggest mistake I see. Biggest mistake. Because you know why? Who cares? Who cares what your freaking title is? No one cares about your freaking title. What they care about is what they're going to get when they work with you, what they're going to get. That's what people care about. I'm sorry, but it's not about you. It's about them. It's about your audience. So a lot of times the biggest mistake I see that I can speak into is they make their website about them when it's not about them. It's about who they're serving. So optimize your copy, change your wording, use you and your in your copy, because then people feel like you're speaking directly to them. Because at the end of the day, there's always just one person, right? It's one person on your page. So speak to that person and make sure that it's about them. Speak into the possibility that they want. You know, what is your ideal client want experience? What do you give to people? What do you give to your ideal client? Put that front and center. And then also speak into their pain points, like, like speak into their struggles. Like why would they, why, where are they at? Meet them where they're at. Where are they at when they come to you? And anyone listening to this will be able to identify this. They really sit and think, or they ask their clients, like, why did you hire me? Oh, well, I felt stuck or, oh, I felt, you know, trapped or I felt capped, whatever it is. Like put that in there too, because then you have someone who's like, oh man, this person gets me or this company gets me. They know how I feel. I want to work with them. So that's my biggest piece of feedback. And the biggest thing I would say that I see wrong is they're making it all about them when it ain't about them. It's about who they're serving. That's awesome. I agree with that 100%. And I also want to ask you what tips you have for search engine optimization and generating organic traffic to your website. Are there any SEO tips you can put out there? And I feel like just sort of for historical context, it seems that a lot of the SEO gurus all of a sudden have to change their tune once Google puts out a new algorithm and things change. And so for anybody that's been been paying attention to SEO strategies over the last decade, it strikes me that a lot of stuff has changed quite a bit in terms of uh, best practices. And so I'd love, you know, for you to share anything that you'd recommend people keep in mind or strategies they can employ for SEO strategies that actually work this year. Well, hey, you know, in a nutshell, what's changed with SEO is the same thing that's changed with social media, is the same thing that's changed everywhere else on the online landscape right now, which is quality. Okay, it's all about quality. It's about value. Google's getting smarter and smarter and smarter, aka what does not work anymore is the sketchy stuff you were doing before, like keyword stuffing, which I mentioned earlier, like sketchy backlinking, you know, like all these gathering all these sketchy, low quality backlinks, like those are the things that aren't working anymore, which are things that you shouldn't be doing anyways. Those are not it's like anything else you're trying to take shortcuts. And what I'm going to say right now is, and I'll say this every time when it comes to, to SEO is it's a long game. It's actually the same with personal branding. So it, it's all the same. It's a long game. So SEO is not something where Oh, I'm going to do all this. And then like, I, within weeks or a month, I'm going to see this like all this traffic come to my site. No, that's not how it works. And so if you're going to invest in your SEO, 
A, do it right, and B, have patience and consistency. So the biggest thing that I teach with SEO is... um first getting people's mindset right about it, but then also um, creating content. So going after keywords, you use a free tool that's awesome is Google Keyword Planner. Um, You can just find your keywords there. If you're a newer site, obviously don't go after super competitive keywords. There's a ton of videos out there. I have videos. Freaking Neil Patel has videos. There's all these videos that will show you how to find keywords. It's really not that complicated. Once you find your keyword, then, which I did this for one of my clients, she's a spiritual coach, okay? So she helps people really get unstuck is one of her big things, like people come to her feeling stuck. So when we did her site, we thought, okay, what will people be searching for? And so we did some research and we found how to get unstuck in life, okay? Notice that's multiple letters. It's not just like, the more letters, the more niche it typically is and the higher chance you will get of ranking for it. So that was a good search volume for her website because her website had didn't have a ton of authority. Okay. So we went after that. And what you need to do is build content around it. So build an in-depth article. So create a blog post or an article where you're literally talking about, for example, how to get unstuck in life. Okay. And you're providing a ton of value. You're using multimedia. So you're using images, definitely at least three images per blog post is my rule of thumb. You're using video if you can. You're maybe even audio clips. Like if you wanted to use a podcast, you could embed the podcast audio. GIFs are awesome, things like that. So use engaging media. And then bullet points, Right now, they like bullet points. Right now, they like conversational stuff. Like I just said before, it's all the same thing. So use the words you and your and I and me versus like they, we. Does that make sense? So you're speaking from first person, like you're talking to someone. Google is now favoring conversational text. So use conversational language and make sure it's insanely valuable, at least minimum of like 750 to 800 words minimum, more than that would be preferable, like a thousand words. And really just have your intention of of building value and create content over your keywords and then share it, get people to share on social media. You want the backlinks are the more technical side. I don't, I don't want to speak too much into that, but that's really just getting people to link out to your content and getting them, which people will do if it's valuable, they will link out to it. So that, that would be kind of my technical tips for That's awesome advice. And I definitely wanted to go that tactical level with you because I know this is totally your area of expertise. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to the show. So I think they'll get a lot of value out of that. So thanks for doing that. I want to switch gears now and talk about your book, which is called Magnetic Confidence, Attract the Results, Relationships and Life You Want. Can you start off by, well, I guess maybe explain what magnetic confidence is, what you mean by that. But then also, I'd love to hear your story and your journey in terms of what led you to decide to write about this topic. Yeah, I love this question. Thank you. So my book, so magnetic confidence, what is that? So confidence, as we know, is, well, the way I define it is it's a deep knowing of who you are right? It's a deep knowing of who you are, knowing that you're worthy, okay? And then the magnetic piece is the law of attraction piece of my book, which is really how I like to think of it as you become polarizing. So the more grounded and sure you are of yourself, the more grounded you are in who you are, the more true you are to who you are, the more polarizing you become. So that's what magnetic confidence is. So you're attracting what you want and you're repelling what you don't want and you're okay with that. Like you're more than okay with that because you know, you actually, you know what you stand for, you know who you are and you're grounded in that. 
So that's what magnetic confidence is. And the reason I wrote about it is because growing up and for most of my teenage years and my early adult years as well, I was very, I lacked a lot of confidence. I had uh, super low self-esteem. I was constantly seeking external validation. I had severe social anxiety. I used to take anxiety medication every single day. And I had bouts of depression. Remember I, I mentioned earlier, I had a fear of public speaking, which as we know, no one is, if, if you're listening right now and you think you're scared of public speaking, you're not. You're just not. That's not what you're scared of. What you're scared of is what you think comes with that. So in other words, scared of judgment, right? So I was scared of people judging me. I was scared of people rejecting me because I had these painful moments in my childhood where I was rejected and I had carried that in my subconscious and been living through that those with those goggles on of, okay, if I do this, if I step up, if I speak up, if I present something, then I will be ridiculed. I will be laughed at. They won't like me, right? So I had these if-then statements that were robbing me of my confidence of being able to magnetize what I wanted into my life. And so, because I was focusing on what I didn't want. So I was attracting more of what I didn't want, right? And I wasn't being true to myself. And also, I'm gonna go even deeper real quick for the listeners is you're also not scared of the judgment. So it goes layers. So people judge. It's like a known fact. Like people judge. It happens. You will be judged. It just happens, okay? People do judge books by the cover. People do that. And so it's not even about that. It's about what am I making that mean about me? So if someone judges me and thinks I'm stupid, if I deep down have a fear that I am stupid, then guess what? That judgment is going to trigger the hell out of me and I will hate it. But if deep down I know, again, confidence, knowing, if deep down I know that I am smart, I know I'm super smart, then if somebody calls me dumb, do you think it's going to affect me? No, it'll drip off my back like water. So that's what to me magnetic confidence is. And that was my journey is I, I stepped into that. I had a huge transformation. I'm no longer on, I've been medication free for three years now. And I am more confident than I've ever felt. I, now I get paid to speak. <laughs> okay. When I used to, I mean, I couldn't even give my senior presentation. I was so petrified. I mean, I, my hands were shaking. My, my teammate had to finish my presentation for me because I literally couldn't do it. So it's paralyzing those fears. And it all stems from experiences we've had in the past, typically our childhood, that we've then created a belief from about ourselves. We create a belief about ourselves. And then we carry that belief through the rest of our lives. And so we're crippled by that belief. They're called limiting beliefs. So that was my whole journey. And that's where I felt so compelled to write this book is because I knew that if I, of all people who I thought I like, I had all these limiting beliefs about myself, I was living such a different life depressed all the time, if I could then be freaking confident as all hell, grabbing the microphone and speaking and getting on video and then making all these friends and being social, being myself, if I could then turn into that person, then anyone could do it. And so that's why I wrote my book because I wanted to inspire more people that, hey, you are not who you've become. You are not who you've become. You you are still in there. You've just chosen based off of your experiences, based off of your beliefs to become who you are now. You chose that so you can choose differently. And so that's why that's why I wrote my book. And that's why I'm so passionate about speaking about um, magnetic confidence as well. 
That's awesome. I love that. And your stage presence, by the way, and your video presence is really impressive. And so I, I think, you know, that that's really an amazing and impressive journey in terms of where you came from until now. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the steps that uh, someone needs to take to move from wherever they are now to a position of magnetic confidence? Yeah. Yeah. So the first step is always awareness. We can't fix something if we don't, if we're not even willing to admit that it exists. So that's always the first step. That's not new. People talk about this all the time. So awareness is indeed the first step. Once you've done that, there are tools that you can use to move past what you are aware about yourself that you want to change. So one of my biggest tools that I teach is I call it limiting to limitless. So basically, it's just a practice of identifying first your your limiting belief you have about yourself. So for example, it's typically an if then statement. So if I open up my heart to a man, he will crush me, you know, I will be heartbroken. So that's a belief. And you may have had an experience that confirmed that belief. And so then you go around trying to prove that belief all over the place, right? So then the next step is then identifying where that came from. The reason why this is important, especially just starting out when you're just getting into this self-development work of like really uncovering and rewiring your belief system and the way you operate, it's important to identify the source because then we can separate ourselves from it. We know, hey, I am not this belief. Okay. Um, and typically the source is in childhood. So really in most cases, so our beliefs, our core beliefs have been formed through the ages of zero to seven. So by seven years old, our core beliefs have been formed. Not to say that things after that didn't affect us. Um, they definitely could have and most likely have, but that's typically where it is. So when in my childhood did, was I broken? Was I crushed? Was my heart crushed? Was it by my mother? You know, and so really getting clear about where that came from so that you can identify the source is not you. You weren't born into the world afraid that men will hurt you. In other words, right? You weren't born into the world that way. Something happened along the lines. So then you see identify the source, then identify what it is. And this is usually a little difficult for people to uh, at least come to terms with, but it's actually really cool when you realize it is you identify the actions that you've been taking because you're running this limiting belief, this program, right? So the action would be as simply as I sabotage every relationship that I'm in. I leave before I'm left, quote unquote. You know, I I don't open myself up, all these things. I don't, whatever the action is that you see that's showing up in your life that you do because of the belief. And then after that, you identify the reward, the fake reward is what I call it, which basically says you wouldn't be running this belief and doing this action if you didn't get some kind of initial perceived benefit, right? So maybe the perceived benefit is, well, then I keep myself safe, right? I, I don't get hurt. I won't get hurt. I keep myself safe, right? Which at the end of the day, we always ask ourselves, is that 100% true? It's not, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fake reward. That's why I call it fake because it's false evidence appearing real. So the final step is then identifying the cost. Um, so what that running that belief is actually costing you personally. So aka, you're not experiencing love, you don't have the love of your life, you don't have a family, like, you, you haven't created a family, like all the hard things for you to swallow that are like the real undesired outcomes that are showing up for you. That's the last piece of it. And then you ask yourself the question, is the reward worth the cost? Oftentimes, the answer is, 
Hell to the no. Definitely not. Okay, cool. Then you that's when you rewire and you create your new uh, limitless belief. And that is, is the beautiful part of this process, the less painful part, where you basically say the opposite of what you thought to be true your whole life. And the important piece is you've got to add uh, a because statement at the end of that, like a positive justification, because you're going to be introducing such a new thought that you've never thought about before. And your subconscious filter is going to be like, like, this is BS. I have all this proof that that's not true. And so you have to add this positive justification statement that basically reasons with your subconscious filter and says, oh, but look, here's why. Here's why this is my new belief. And here's why this is true. And then you just move forward with that. You create new actions based on your new limitless belief. Awesome. I want to slightly shift gears again now and talk about the nomad lifestyle. You were in 12 countries last year alone. I've already been to about, I think, 12 this year so far. And uh, I want to just get your take on being a location-independent entrepreneur and also being a healthy, balanced human as a, a nom- in the nomadic lifestyle. And just ask you based on your experiences and any reflections that you can share, I guess, both in terms of the business side, as well as the personal side, how are you able to run your business effectively? Any tips that you have on that as you're traveling the world, but also, how are you able to build a healthy, sustainable life in terms of friendships and you know how do you, how are you thinking about relationships and love and all of that stuff in a nomadic lifestyle i get a lot of those kind of questions from people and i'd love to have any of your thoughts or reflections on those things yeah absolutely so the running your business i mean i believe this is the time to run your business virtually because we have a ton of resources and tools and platforms at our fingertips that we can use that help us to run virtual businesses. For me, for example, I use Asana and Slack. Have you, do you use those? Uh, We use Infusionsoft and we use Trello and we do use Slack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Trello and and Asana, similar, just different platforms, but the same thing. It's a a task management tool. So um, using tools like that are awesome because you know, I'm a huge believer. I don't really believe in, I don't believe in that whole brick and mortar, like needing to be in the same office as people. I just don't. We have Zoom for meetings. We have all these (laughs) apps and, and pieces of software that we can use to really create structure with our team, virtual structure. And so that when it comes to business is great too, because I can have, like my team is all over the world. Like my designer lives in Bali. And he's full time. He's my like creative head. Um, and then I, I just have it just allows you to really branch out and really utilize all the resources that are available in this vast freaking planet that we live in. So that's my first answer when it comes to business. And also it's it's also knowing that, hey, if you got to get on calls with clients, sometimes it may be, you know, freaking midnight when you got to hop on a call. And that's the sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? So um, I do that sometimes where it's like one of my friends also runs his business virtually. He was hopping on like 3 a.m. conference calls. But to him, it's worth it because it's not happening all the time, A, because 
you know, we get to create, we get to create our schedules, which is awesome. But it's part of the the sacrifice that you make is like, okay, you're going to be working in different time zones and you just, you make it work. You know what I'm saying? So I would way rather have the freedom than to have like a day-to-day nine-to-five structure, in my opinion. So that's the first piece. And then when it comes to personal life, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you're moving around so much. But what's really cool is like, and you and I talked about this, is you meet so many freaking awesome people when you travel. I mean, your network just explodes when you travel because you're meeting people that you would have never met if you weren't living this life. I mean, could you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's just, it's so cool. So how do you create and nurture those relationships? Well, it's effort. Like anything else, it would be really easy for me to lose. Like I made a really good friend in London. Like it would be really easy for me to lose connection with her if I don't consistently reach out. And I do because her friendship really matters to me. Um, when it comes to like love and romance, hey, here's the thing. I know, and I'm very clear about the lifestyle I want to live, right? So the lifestyle that my partner lives is going to be aligned because I want to be able to travel with him together. You know what I'm saying? So what's cool is, is that a lot of times when you travel to these different places, you do meet a lot of people who are also nomads. You know, in other words, I've met a lot of men who are also nomads and who have that freedom to travel. So I I think just like anything else, it's a mindset thing. If you think that it's going to be hard for you to find love and to create solid friendships when just because you're traveling the world, I think that that is truly a limiting belief because I've been able to cultivate that. I am currently seeing someone who lives in Bali and lucky for me, I love traveling to Bali. And for him, he loves traveling all over the world. So we just traveled together in Europe. And so I truly believe that anything is possible. And if you're living this life and it's it's aligned for you, you will find someone who's aligned as well in the same way. That's awesome. And you can do podcast interviews from, from anywhere. And we have not even disclosed to the audience where we are doing this interview from today. <laughs> I, we are not in person because if we were, uh, we would be having a bottle of wine and I would have announced what that was at the beginning. But where are you based today? So I'm actually in uh, Paulsbo, Washington. And tomorrow I actually fly out to Ohio for a wedding. So I am in the States right now. Um, currently, where are you? I am in St. Petersburg, Russia. Oh, okay. And I'm going to Moscow this weekend. And then next week I am taking the Trans-Siberian Railway from Moscow across Siberia to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia with about 28 other nomads. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So good. And most likely there will be a podcast interview happening on that train ride mid-train. So uh, we'll... Uh, oh, yeah. People can, look, people can look forward to that because it's that nomad life, right? That's how we roll. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Let me, let me ask you one more question and then I want to get into the lightning round here and wrap things up. Um, can you talk a little bit about your productivity tactics, how you structure your day? Do you have morning routines? And how do you optimize your productivity in your workday? Yeah, so I do I create a flow, I create a ritual. Um, Well, first off, every morning, I don't even touch my phone. I don't do anything until I've done my morning meditation and my prayers. 
So I do that first thing every morning, find a quiet space wherever I am. And it looks different everywhere, which is really cool. I'm always, whenever I get to a new place, I'll be like, I'll like look around and I'll just tour the place. I'm like, okay, that's my, that's my spot in the morning. You know, I just, it's cool. Cause you have like different spots in every place that you travel. But, um, so every morning I do that. And then I read my book after I do my meditation and prayers. And then I typically it depends. I work, I usually put a workout in, if not in the morning, in the afternoon. But then I just get into like when I was in, in Europe, for example, we both had a flow. So we had every morning we would wake up like 6 a.m., 6.30, do the morning ritual thing. And then we'd work until say 11 or noon. And that way we had the rest of the day to just really enjoy the afternoon and where we were, go on a boat ride, whatever it is, and then come back like before dinner, work for another hour before dinner, and then go to dinner and enjoy the rest of the night. So that was a really awesome flow for me. I don't know what you, I would love to hear what you do too, but that's how I, every time I travel, I usually spend the early morning hours really grinding and just being super productive. And then I let myself enjoy the afternoon most days. That's awesome. To be honest, to some extent, it depends on what time zone I'm in, but also I'm probably not quite as much of a morning person as you are, Ashley. So, <laughs> but that's really good that you found a relationship partner who is a morning person like you and shares the same hours because that's also a a, a form of congruence there to look for when you're uh, selecting that. So that's uh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> it's true. Well, he actually wasn't. Just so you know. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, you converted I, him? <laughs> yeah, I converted him. You know, well, I had a good argument. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good argument. And, you know, we can really train our bodies to do anything. So he did it. And so there you go. Perfect. So awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. I love that. Awesome. Well, I want to be super respectful of your time. And I want to move us into the final piece of this podcast. Ashley, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. All right. What is one book that has influenced you over the years that you would most recommend to people? Uh, the book I'm reading now is awesome. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Awesome. We're going to link all this stuff up in the show notes, by the way, folks. You can just go to one place at themaverickshow.com and go to the show notes. We're going to have links to everything that we talked about today. All right, Ashley, what is one app or productivity tool that you're using you'd recommend? I love Asana. Amazing. Project management, team management, all the things. It's so great. Awesome. If you could have dinner with one person, could be a celebrity, author, public figure, anybody that's currently living today that you've never met, who would you pick and why? Tony Robbins. (laughs) 100% Tony Robbins. I, I just grew up like with all of his quotes plastered all over my walls. My dad is a huge Tony Robbins fan. So I was at his kids camp when I was young. I went to a seven day kids camp. I walked on fire when I was 12 at one of his seminars. So yeah, Tony Robbins all the way. That would be a dream. All right. If you could go back in time now, knowing everything that you know today up in this point in your life and give one piece of advice to your 18 year old self, what would you say to 18 year old Ashley? When I was with such low self-esteem and lack of self-confidence, I would say, Ashley, people will judge you. In fact, people are judging you right now. They do every day. It happens. And so what? Who cares? It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. 
So just be yourself, be true to yourself because you matter, you're worthy, you're special. And when you trust and love yourself, you open yourself up to receiving all of the joy, love, and miracles that are meant for you. So take a leap, risk it all, screw fitting in, stand out, own your power, and go for it. That is an awesome piece of advice. I'm so impressed with that. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, boy. All right. Let's do, let's do a couple of travel questions. What are your top three favorite travel destinations that you've ever been to? Number one, Bali. Hands down. Number two, Greece. Uh, number three, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Awesome. And what are your top three bucket list destinations, places that you've never been that are the highest on your list right now that you'd most love to go? Mm, Maldives for sure, or Bora Bora, for sure. I mean, I want to be on one of those overwater bungalows. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's I do. number Absolutely. one. I want to go to a pink beach. I've always wanted to go to a pink beach. There's one in Indonesia that's on my bucket list called Lombok. It's in Lombok, Indonesia. Um, and then Fiji. I've always wanted to go to Fiji. Amazing. Awesome. All right, Ashley, we are now coming to the most important question of the entire podcast. And so I, <laughs> I hope you're ready for this. I was so excited to learn that you were a hip hop fan. I was a hip hop DJ in the 90s. Oh my gosh. During the golden era of hip hop for like 91 to 99 when, I mean, and so it has a very, very deep and meaningful place in my heart and has impacted me a lot in terms of my in terms of everything. And so I was super excited to learn that you as well are a hip hop fan. And I want to ask you, and first of all, by the way, I would love to ask you just contextually, if you want to share what you love about hip hop, what it means to you, uh, you know, and all that. And then I want to ask you to name your top five hip hop MCs of all time. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, I don't think there's any like there's no other music genre that flows through your body as well as hip hop does. And you know what I mean? Like it just freaking, it like hits every bone in your body and there's no other music I can dance better to just because of that reason. Like the beats, the, all that. And I love, like, I just have a deep appreciation for lyrics and the way that hip hop artists put their lyrics together. I just have a, a, a lot of, a. I admire that. And I think it's really cool. It's creative. I mean, it takes a ton of talent, especially you have someone like, let's just say Twista, who raps like freaking, I don't even know how many words a minute, you know? So it's like, I, I just, I really appreciate it. And I think it's the most fun. I grew up with it. And that's why I love it. So my top five MCs. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm wondering your reaction is going to be to this. Okay. My number one is Jaw Rule. <laughs> I love Ja Rule. I love Ja Rule. I probably know almost every song of his. Okay, number two. And I know right now this is like, uh, okay, it's, this is showing my age. Okay, but I love Too Short. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> Represent. I love Too Short. No, I say like short. <laughs> you know, you can't play in my court. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Moving on. Okay, this one, I think you'll agree with me. Okay, I do know a lot of his songs too, by heart. Like, Shorty Wanna Be a Thug, for example. I can do that whole song. Tupac, 100%. Deep appreciation for him. Uh, Twista, as I mentioned, I love Twista. Um, know almost all of his songs as well. 
And then I got to put my girl up there. I want to see if you can guess it. Who's my girl? You tell me. <laughs> there's a number. I, I think there's a number of contenders for, for oh, best female artist of all time. But oh. I'm, I'm, curious, I'm curious who you pick. Uh, okay. Well, I love her voice uh, fluctuations, like how she does her inflections in her voice. Nicki Minaj. I think there's been no other girl in the game who has done what she's done. And I know she's like gotten super mainstream, but I listened to her when no one listened to her, you know, in the very I beginning. Agree. I agree. So I, agree. I love Nicki Minaj. I think she's insanely talented. Um, I and I love seeing a girl up there, like doing her thing, super confident. You know, I love Cardi B too. Love her personality, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when I heard the song Monster for the first time. Oh my God. I know that. I know that whole lyrics. I could do the whole thing. I could do it right now on cue. I could, could do the you? whole Would song. You? Oh my God, I could. Would you spit it right now for the Maverick show? Really? Okay, I'll do yeah, it. Good. Okay, go ahead. Pull up in the monster automobile gangster with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yeah, I'm in that Tonka color of Willy Wonka. You could be the king, now watch the queen. Co okay, first things first, I'll eat your brains. Then I'ma start rocking gold teeth and fangs. Cause that's what a motherfucking monster do. Hairdresser from Milan, that's what monster do. Monster Giuseppe Hill, that's a monster crew. Young Money and the Rasta and the monster crew. And I'm all up, all up, all up in the bank with a funny face. And if I'm fake, I ain't noticed cause my money ain't. Let me get this straight. Wait, I'm the rookie, but my features in my shows 10 times. Your pay 50k with a verse, no album out. Yeah, my money's so tall that my body about to climb it. Hotter than a Middle Eastern climate. Find it 20 Mataranda to whine it, whine it. Nikki on the pit is while she sign it. While he's so one track minded. Oh, really, really, I don't give a F U C K. Forget Barbie. Fuck Nikki, she, she's fake. I'm on a diet, but my pockets eat a cheesecake. And I'll say, boy, the Chucky's child's play just killed another career. It's a mild day. Besides, eight, they can't stand besides me. I think me, you, and you, Nikki Minaj Friday. Pink wig, thick ass, giving whiplash. I think big get cash, making blink fast. Now look at what we just saw. This is what you came for. Rah! Motherfucking monster. Mic <laughs> drop. Drop the mic. Oh that God. was that was the single greatest thing that has ever happened on the Maverick Show. 49 episodes. <laughs> that is the single greatest Maverick Show moment. The microphone dropped. <laughs> that is so amazing. You have no idea how much that just made like my month. I mean, that was like so amazing. I can't even tell you like how. And I was like, by the way, when you were flowing like that, I had like my hands in there. I was like, oh, I was, I was like, you know, hands up. I mean, it was like, oh my God. Yes. That was amazing. That was I so can't amazing. believe out of all songs you chose Monster because no one really knows about that song, by the way. Like a lot of people don't know about that song. So when you said that's the one song of Nicki Minaj that I, her verse that I am obsessed with and I like, I know the whole thing front to back. It's like the one verse or the, you know, the one song. And you're like, oh, Monster. I'm like, oh my God. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was by far, I think to this day, her greatest verse of all time. Like when I heard that I she's 23, it. she's 23 years old and she comes to no, with before she had an album, before anyone who knew who she was and she steps up on a song with Jay Kanye and I Rick Ross, and she just spits yep. that. I'm like, I literally remember the first time I heard that. I was just like, my head was going. I was like, who is this? And how do I find more of her stuff? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. She's so good. I know. Me too. I felt the same yeah. way. That's why I had to learn it. I love that yeah. that just happened. That's I had it wrapped that verse in so freaking long. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so thank so you for, re for literally, I just pulled that out from one of the cupboards in my, uh, the old cupboards in my head and 
there it is. <laughs> I am so happy. That's so amazing. Oh my goodness. All right. On that note, there is no way that we can go any higher on this podcast than that. So we are going to, we are going to close it out there. Ashley, I want you to tell people a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So first of all, how do they get the checklist that you were telling them about? Second of all, how do they listen to your podcast, which rocks and is awesome? And third of all, how do they follow you on social media and learn more about what you're up to? Okay, cool. So start with social media. That's the easiest question. Ashley.han, H-A-N-N on Instagram. And then it's Ashley Han as well. But anyways, you just search Ashley Han, you'll find me. And then for my website checklist. Okay, it's ashleyhand.com. Hopefully you can put this in the show notes. ashleyhand.com slash free dash website dash checklist. Okay, free dash website dash checklist. Yeah, we are going to put all of this in the show notes. So folks, you can just go to the maverickshow.com. Just click on the Ashley Hand episode and all these links are going to be right there. So you can follow her, get the checklist and all that kind of stuff in one place. Okay, cool. Awesome. And then I think that was all, was that all the questions? Well, the podcast also, the athlete Ashley Hand Show, they can find that on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever they listen to podcasts and tune into your podcast and subscribe to that as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Basically, if you just search Ashley Hand, it should pop up right away. So same thing. Same thing on all the social channels and um, for the podcast. Amazing. Ashley, this was so fun. It was so awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. That was amazing. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. Thank you. <laughs> so much fun. All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes real estate investors are making in today's market? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash avoid mistakes. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash avoid mistakes. Do you want to learn how to travel the world for a year plus with carry-on luggage only and look good while you're doing it? Go to themaverickshow.com slash packing to see a free recorded webinar and learn exactly how Matt does it. He shows you the luggage he uses, the specific items he packs, and the travel brands he likes most. Even if you're just looking to go on shorter trips, but pack more efficiently and eliminate your checked luggage, you won't want to miss this. You can watch the free recorded webinar at themaverickshow.com forward slash packing. Where I'm like, oh, shoot, people are going to get offended. And then I start thinking about people getting offended. And then I'm like, and then it screws up my whole flow. You know what I mean? This yes. time I'm like, fuck it. He'll just, he'll just, he'll remove those parts if he needs to. He'll, oh my no, God. Well, no, we got to do, <laughs> no, can you, we're definitely leaving the first part in. I mean, we can edit that. We, oh do you want to do, can you, can you do it from, from the middle? Do you know the rest of it? Do you want to look it up? Do you want to look up? Okay, the, no, no, uh, I don't want to look it up I'm because gonna you, I want. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you spit it again. Like we can edit that. Oh, okay, out. okay, 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 okay. Okay, let me let me try. Let me let me. Oh, I'm not going to look up the lyrics. I want to test okay. myself because I want to see if I can do it for real. Okay. 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 So I'm going to go again. Yeah, go All ahead. Right. Start over. No problem. Okay, we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, editor. Thank you, editor. This, this is like the okay. greatest thing that's ever happened on the Maverick Show. By the way, this is like <laughs> this is like literally the highlight of like 49 episodes. This is like the highlight for me. Ha, ha, ha.